I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Overshowers podcast. My name is Colton. And I'm Harbour. And today we have a brand new episode featuring the wonderful Elisa. Bow, 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 bow. Yeah. So Anissa, salam, tell us guys. a bit. Oh, alaikum salam, darling. Anissa, tell us a bit about yourself. A little bit about myself. That's so, it's, it's giving CV. It's giving <laughs> interview <laughs> assessment center. A little bit about myself. So my name's Anissa. Thanks for having me on, by the way, guys. Ooh. I basically create content designed to help Muslim women learn more about finance through the medium of pop culture. So it's taking a tool you know that's very everyday, very much you'd see in your everyday life, and then using it to help you understand and build awareness of your financial rights and your financial choices through an Islamic financial lens. Mm. You're freeing the girlies. That's it. The shackles of not knowing about their money, basically. (laughs) I think, ultimately speaking, the most interesting thing is that once they do know, they perform so much better uh, in comparison to men. So, for example, once a woman knows how to invest and yeah. has the knowledge behind that, she performs 1.4% better than a man wow. in terms of return on investment when it comes to investing in a portfolio. Are you listening to that, girl? Can we start with <laughs> how do we... 1.5 better? No, I'm sorry. This is a very important episode. I get it, though. I get it. Can we just start with investment? How do the girlies... How can they start investing? I'm not going to lie. We did a post today... A lot of 18 year olds were like, oh my God, we can't wait for this episode. We need to know what finance is all about. So how can a girl, let's say from 18 and above, start investing? What's like the basics? What's the 101? The 101, the 101 I would say, well, I would say the, the really easy thing to do is to begin by reading around the topic. And that would mean your everyday life, reading things like the FT, reading the BBC News, reading CNN, and having like a quite a wide range and understanding of finance, Mm. and then getting a little bit more techie with it. So reading the likes of like Bloomberg as well, which Mm. might feel, it might feel a little bit like, there's a lot, it's slightly daunting. But once you've kind of had the osmosis of knowledge that kind of comes through that, you start to pick up on those things, particularly at the age of 18, you just knowing what's going on. So a good example I can give you right now in real time would be, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with what's happening with like Sam Altman and OpenAI. No Oh wait, did he leave? So he got kicked off. off. Like he literally- And someone left with him. So he was a CEO of OpenAI, so, you and I would know it as sort of chat GPT, yeah, right? Yeah. His board told him, do one. Yeah. And because he was being quote unquote too candid, that was quite literally, it's, it's so very truthful. No, no one, one really knows. knows. Uh, there's a lot of tea going on Twitter. I'll let you guys read into that. <laughs> but essentially because of that, he, he got ousted and then somebody else came in in the interim period now right now it's like the ex-ceo of twitch is now the c interim ceo of open ai microsoft has have offered sam altman a role the whole team is literally like well if sam's gone now we're going like it's literally like director left 
three seasons of succession in like the space of 96 hours. Oh my God. Now I say that all to say this, Microsoft is looking like a very nice investment right now. This is not me giving you investment advice, just FYI. I just need to, you know, have the make FCA not on my not on my back about it. Exactly. Make your own make your own choices. Make wise choices, girls. But Microsoft is is looking very nice right now really? as a result. Because they yeah, I mean, once again, we don't know what's gonna happen because it's literally like in real time changing every minute. Like you're what you're watching it happen in real time over Twitter. Is it a thing where you've got to constantly keep checking these mediums like Financial Times or whatever just to see what changes are happening and then making a decision to invest through that? I think I'm I mean, I give that as an as an example, because that's what's happening in real time in the news and you can follow that and that can help inform the uh, investment decisions you make. Right. Mm. But if I was starting as an 18 year old baby girl, I'd go with an ETF. And I'd, I'd literally look, and they are Sharia compliant ETFs as well. So they will most definitely comply with your Islamic beliefs. But what you'll find is that there are roughly, I would say, four to five very well performing ETFs. And an ETF essentially is an exchange traded fund. So what that means is they get the 10 most popular halal investments mm. of various different companies. Like Let's say it's Apple, Tesla, etc., they put that in a little group, let's say, so it's like your little basket, and you invest in those shares of those said companies. Oh. So it's kind of like you're investing in a whole sort of basket without actually having to think about what's going on, how you're going to do this, etc. But as you sort of like, I guess, gather more knowledge and you're able to sort of use that, you can then sort of make more informative decisions on different types of investments as well. And obviously, it's not just about having shares, let's say, or yeah. like stocks. Yeah. A really good investment portfolio that works for you, invest. you'll be investing in things like precious metals, stocks and shares, maybe potentially crypto. I, I'm not saying that should necessarily be mm. your first choice, Mm-mm-mm-mm. but that's something. Scary, Property, and obviously it really depends on your risk level, precisely. Yeah. Rem- and what you find is, I think traditionally speaking, People think that women, generally speaking, are very risk averse. Mm. Mm. I would say from my understanding and study, literally academically and in real life, it's more a case of women don't know what they don't know. If I don't know how to invest, how can I invest? And it's that that sort of makes them reluctant to invest because I need to have the information in order to make an an informed decision, precisely. So I think all of this... I say all of this to say this. If I were starting all over again from the age of 18. There are apps. I, there are many an app and none of them are paying me. So, <laughs> we're not mentioning that. I'm not mentioning any of you. <laughs> but no, I exist. <laughs> but but well, I say there are also Islamic compliant apps that okay. one can use for so sure. Can say it that way. Uh, similarly, there are mainstream apps that are available that are also really good. And you can find Islamic Sharia compliant ETFs on there as well. Mm. Sorry, I just want to mention just on the topic of Islamic or Islamic Sharia compliant, like how does somebody or someone who's looking to invest basically, like where do they start in terms of Islamic financial literacy? Like what, what can they do to, I don't know, I guess, expand their knowledge on it? Great question. So it really depends on how you like to be taught as well, right? So not everybody wants to pick up a book or not everybody wants to sit in like a three hour seminar being spoken at, etc. So 
I would say in my experience when I was starting out and I was learning about Islamic finance, it was very sort of academic based because my background's in economics and then I went and specialized in Middle Eastern economics and politics. Mm. And then I went and got qualified under Islamic finance under the Chartered Institute. But there are many uh, different ways. I would say there's a lot of material out there on YouTube. I say that with a disclaimer because not all information is good information. Mm -hmm. I myself actually create courses that are targeted towards Muslim women. So I currently have three courses. One is Finesse Your Finances, which is mm -hmm. like a 101 bootcamp. Love that. You'll, you'll learn everything from budgeting to pensions to halal mortgages, etc. And then, and then courses on things like investing more specifically. So invest in yourself, which is like a crash course. And then I've got something that's very much in depth as well. And then obviously talking to the girlies about money and marriage, which is like mm. a really sort of prominent issue that the timeline loves to talk about. But when we get into like sort of the weeds of it and understanding your Islamic rights, both as a man and a woman, it sort of falls to the wayside. So those sorts of things are really important. Can I, you mentioned budgeting. And yeah. I feel like for me, I felt like growing up, I didn't get, I didn't quite grasp the importance of budgeting until like I was 27. Okay. It was quite late. Like at the beginning, I used to just spend money. Better late and than then never be like, though. oh my God, I've got nothing left. Now I'm struggling. And then I tried to do a spreadsheet, but then I still wasn't following what I needed to do. And then recently I, when I turned 27, 26, I think I discovered an app that like really helped me save money, also budget for different things, like create little pockets, which yeah. was more practical for me. And I think it resonates with what you said, where you were like, it's a way like, it's the way that you learn about money. So like for me, I, I find it really tedious to just sit and just read about like, you have to do this, this and this. Like I like practical things. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And I think, the way Islamic finance has historically been taught, it's very much like, well, for as a baseline, riba is haram. Okay, yeah. brilliant. I'm, I'm sure we all agree on that, that's great. <laughs> but then beyond that, where do we go? And what does that look like? And I think, so my, I, I think, I'm not sure if I even mentioned this at this point, but my background's in financial communications. So I've worked with the likes of JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Dubai Financial Market, etc., mm. And, the biggest sort of misconception when it comes to literacy for a start if you're trying to sell a product or communicate that effectively people need to have like a baseline understanding yeah. of what they're buying yeah and so historically savings products have always been targeted towards women and that's why women tend to be really amazing savers mm -hmm. But when it comes to sort of, shall we say, more sophisticated products, like investment products, yeah. pensions, even insurance, that sort of thing. Just anything, that's sort, of, anything that's sort of like- Risky. Yes, yeah, yeah, some level of risk associated to it. It's very much targeted towards men. Yeah. And as a result, there's this wide information gap between men and women. And that's where you start to see things like the pension gap, the gender pay yeah, gap, the investment gap. So I think I think there's just sort of like a whole plethora, but I think, yeah, the way you talk to people, it's really important. And I think that's why I found that I cr started creating this platform was speaking to women and sort of going around the world and talking about what I do, because I don't feel like 
at least as far as I know thus far, that there's enough content out there that's talking to women in a way that they feel heard, they feel accepted, they don't feel like they're being judged. It's very much an open door policy. Do you think it's patriarchal? What what is So you know when you mentioned products that are centered on savings are targeted more towards women, and then things with some level of risk involved are targeted towards men. Do you think that targeting or that sort of pushing those kind of products to do you think that's quite patriarchal i think historically it there's probably an underlying sense of a man's role is to be a breadwinner and a woman's role is to stay at home and as a result as a man you're probably thinking i need to think about all the various different ways i can create an income Mm. more specifically passively as well and i can just generate more income because ultimately speaking I don't personally believe we're living in a capitalist society. We are now beyond that. We're living in a neo-capitalist society, Mm -hmm. which means we live in an on-demand culture. I need things fast. I need to do things now. And it needs to happen. And that's why you get products that fit the mold of that particular lifestyle, let's say. Mm -hmm. So to some extent, it is patriarchal. And then it's just historic. It's sort of, it's what I've always done. So that's what I need to know. And that's why even when I do speak to Muslim women today, there's like a small proportion, I would say a small subset that do think, I don't really need to know an awful lot because this sounds like my husband's business. Yeah. Mm. But nothing is promised to anybody. And once again, like I have many a client, so I, I also financially coach and I have many a client whereby they may be divorced, they may be widowed, they may not have married either. And they may be really successful in their career, but have a real lack of understanding and awareness of what to do with that money as Mm. well. There's definitely a whole subset of women that are of a particular age bracket where they're doing amazingly in their career, but have little awareness of what, where to peddle that in financially. So I think- I think that's a really important point that you just made about women, circumstances changing essentially. So what you said about women being widowed or divorced and therefore like, the man not being there anymore, therefore they're left to their own devices. How do they then access that information that was historically being peddled towards Completely. men? Anec- anecdotally, I remember I had a client whereby all the bills were under her husband's name, all of the sort of like the pensions, the investments, everything. And he had, unfortunately he had passed away. And as a, oh. as a result, she was unable to like get access even into those accounts because she didn't know the password. She wasn't uh, necessarily like a second person on those accounts either. And so like navigating a whole system as well, mm-hmm. not, not to mention adding to the fact that if you're not legally married in say the UK, so you may have a nikah, but you don't have a, a legal <coughs> registration here, that will add further complications mm. when it comes to the finances of situations. So it's even more paperwork down the line. Now I'm not saying that it, you can't get married, uh, sorry, you can't get a legal, and that would allow for you to not be able to then gain access to said finance. Yeah. It's just making your life a lot harder. That's Absolutely. all it is. It depends how much you wanna sort of, you know, get to a point where you can just sort of like not think about your finances as well but like i said it's paperwork either today or it's paperwork tomorrow Mm. that's what i tend to tell people so what's like your advice on budgeting in a smart way like where where do people where can people start if they if you're talking about the example of women that you just gave now including myself guys 
three years ago. <laughs> Where can we start? Like, we've got our salary now. Okay. What would the three main things that you would do with your money be after you've just received your salary? Okay, perfect. Love that question. The first thing I would do is, for a start, do I have two separate accounts? Right? Okay. That's the first thing I would think about. Do I have a current account and do I have a savings account? Mm -hmm. Right? Do I have an emergency budget? And if I don't, am I putting a little bit of money towards that so that I can then build the life I want as well? So what I would do is I would immediately put those direct debits in. I'd put be paying all the fixed costs, the bills that I need to. I'd be putting some money away towards my emergency fund. And then I would be sort of putting whatever the remainder is left in accordance to that, then be thinking about, okay, how much can I actually put away in terms of investments as well mm -hmm. so what once again it also depends on the lifestyle you're building towards as well mm. and what your goals are and there are various different ways to budget as well some people so for example i like a zero based budget which means you tell me exactly what's in my account this month and i will put all of my money to work so that there is zero in that in the left. end there's zero left so every pound you make should be working to some sort of goal, whether that be you're paying your groceries or you're paying towards your pension. Mm -hmm. So th those are just sort of like off the top of my head, things that I think that are, that's really sound advice to think about if you're just sort of like starting out in your career, or even if you're not, if you're thinking about it now and you just wanna create that life that you want. Mm -hmm. In the end, finance is just about really good organization. Yeah, you got to be a pro your own project manager, basically. Yeah, sadly, you've got to be, <laughs> be your own project manager outside of your nine to five. Literally. literally. Oh, God, finances is just one of those topics, isn't it, where I just don't think we know enough. It's so niche. There's so many like niche bits of information that we could definitely, that could be useful to us that we wouldn't even know where to start in terms of looking for it. I think the biggest thing for me is obviously a lot of people in the UK they've bought houses but obviously they've bought houses through mortgages and, and then obviously there's a higher group of people that are like we probably can buy houses we probably do have the money but we just don't want to do the river aspect so then obviously here comes islamic banking and their idea of like buying a mortgage which is a lot higher obviously because especially because of liz truss god bless her <laughs> <laughs> Trustonomics has really it's Trust done a number. Yeah, it's, it's done, done a, a number. Done a number. Done a number on everyone. So really. Like, so how can the girls buy houses yeah. in a Sharia compliant <sighs> way? Is it well, worth? And is, is it is, is it worth getting an Islamic mortgage? Um, is it worth it to buy a house in this country or abroad? Like, is it harder to buy a house in like Dubai or Doha, for example? I think you have to. If have. you okay, so the systems are, are like a little bit different depending on sort of where you're buying and what you're looking at. Once again, it really depends on what it, what kind of lifestyle you're building towards, right? So mm. for example, if you do choose to like buy here in the UK, there are many different avenues you can go down. So there is obviously a Sharia compliant way and there are many banks out there that also offer Sharia compliant mortgages. It, is it more expensive? Yes. Are the repayments more expensive? Also, yes. But that's also, it. once it kind of trickles down into what you philosophically and ethically believe. Mm -hmm. And I say those specific words rather than Islamically because mm -hmm. there are sheikh that would say, for example, an Islamic mortgage is the only way you can sort of go around yeah. the idea of getting a house. Yeah. There are others who feel that because of the way in which 
they as a system have decided to work, create this system. It's not all entirely halal. So it really depends on yeah. your madhab, who you go with, what you're buying, who you're buying from, what your mortgage, like there's so many different factors to think about. Mm-hmm. If you then compare that to buying abroad, let's say, and you were investing in, I don't know, like let's say the Dubai or Doha, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. The system is a little bit different because they will, you can buy in accordance to an Islamic mortgage, but they have different styles of mortgages as well there. And because their products are a little bit more sophisticated than they would be here because they're an Islamic country, a Muslim country. So it looks a little bit different as well. It also- Is it pricier? Is it pricier? It depends. Once again, same thing. Mm. Where are you buying? Exactly. If I bought a house, if I bought a house in London versus buying a house in, I don't know, Dudley. Sh- Sharjah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's so random. That was in my head too. Yeah. <laughs> so random. I just although Sharjah is very much up and coming. People yeah. really, yeah, it's very much like a family kind of city. Yeah. So and it's like twenty minutes away from Dubai. Nice. So people, are, yeah, and the food's great. But mm. other than that, <laughs> oh, I can go on like it's a good place. It's a good place. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like as I was saying, so it really depends where you're buying, what you're doing. So I know that, for example, there's a whole host of people who tend to buy in like student towns, for example, right. okay. buy like a dingy sort of like three bed, do it up yeah, and then get a few, couple of students in there, get a few students and get cracking. Oh, I've heard about this. People Is that in, in that. the UAE you mean? Or just no, in no. The oh, yeah. In the UK. So like universities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some, exactly. But oh, if you're looking make, to... Like, they can make good money from that. Though, yeah. I, understand I, I understand that as an investment opportunity, certainly. It takes a lot of work. Mm. I, d- I don't think being um, a landlord or a landlady is for the faint-hearted. Um, for students. No, for students after this, oh, after a Friday night. Mm, <laughs> it's that. It's not <laughs> it. It is not it. But at the same time, yeah, like I said, so that's just one way. But if you're thinking about buying a house yourself, before you start that whole cycle, you need to decide for yourself what avenue you want to go down. Yeah. I remember, and once again, another anecdote. I had, I had, precisely, I had one of my mentors tell me, so he was doing his dissertation on mortgages more specifically and Islamic mortgages, mortgages. Now I think about it, that is it's quite a something to do a dissertation on mortgages, mm, but like, so like, yeah, it's just like, I don't know how long you can write about that for, but he did. Anyways, suffice to say, he consulted a sheikh about things who told him that if you are buying a, a house in a non-Muslim country, you could buy the first house under the principles of whatever said land is, etc. And I think that's what he ended up going down. So he ended up buying his house using, and I guess this is like 20, 25 years ago where mm. Islamic products were sort of nowhere to be seen yeah. or HSBC Amana was just about yeah. coming out at that point. So yeah, like he, he bought his house or whatever it was under whatever, you know, the constrictions were at that time. But once again, because we've sort of developed is our Islamic financial understanding since there? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure whether that would still hold. But yeah. once again, <laughs> once again, once again, you will find sheikhs across the world that argue about this tooth and nail about so, whether it's yeah. halal to take yeah, on or not. So, so, that, so yeah. there's like various differences in their opinions. There's various differences, but I mention all of these on my course. So. You better go the course, guys. <laughs> so I just want to quickly bring it back to, I know you mentioned you do your course 
has you know a segment on what women's rights are in terms of like in a, in a marital home their fight financial rights so i just wanted to ask you a bit about that so what, what would you say to kind of married women who are listening to us who want to understand what their financial rights are in their in their homes and between their spouses get your money girl get your money for sure but <laughs> what i'm about to say may break hearts across the land and i'm so sorry <laughs> i want to we need, no, I need to get <laughs> if, if it's like, the truth then it has to be said so, so you know how the timeline loves Mahars. Mahar, we'll get into that one. But the <laughs> first one was what's mine is mine and what's his is mine. Yeah. Right? That is literally, that encapsulates Muslim to another le- level. Mm-hmm. This is true. However, 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 it's not entirely the truth because that man your husband may have other financial obligations mm-hmm. which may include for example his parents it may include younger f- sort of female siblings for example or relatives mm-hmm. it may be a case where he has other sort of uh, another financial situation that he needs to take care of so all of his money isn't necessarily entirely yours he needs to be able to take care of those various different facets of his life but yeah, if by by and large, it is your right as a Muslim woman to be clothed, to be fed, to have a roof over your head, etc. Now, the line also comes under what he's able to afford. You could be marrying a sheikh and if he's giving you like a two bed in, I don't know, East Ham, you probably know there's something dodgy going on there. Do you know mm, what I mean? Because mm. he could probably be giving you more. Mm-hmm. But if this man was just like, you know, breaking his back to be able to give you the best possible life that he possibly could, then that is within that sort of limitation and such. So I do think actually, this is a great question because I would say of all of the financial choices you ever make in your life, I would say the most important would be who you choose to marry. Damn. Damn. And that and that's not necessary. Whoa, that's such a that's a loaded we just sit on answer. That. Can we just sit on that for a second? Who you choose to marry is the biggest financial mm-hmm. decision you're ever gonna make. And isn't that so crazy? Because often when we let's say from the ages of twenty to thirty, and I'm not saying all women are fickle for you all come for me, but a lot of our emotions are based on emotion. It's never about like what like what he earns or like I get it. We probably nowadays talk about it. But women are also. But if you're in love, you, you are really not thinking. If you're getting lost in the source, yeah, like ladies. you're not asking that. Mm-mm. I, I well, you're say, just gonna I, say Allah I, 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 Yeah, yeah, and call <laughs> like it Allah a day. will provide for us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I would say, look, it's not necessarily. I say that to say this. It's not that it's the biggest financial decision because you're just gonna be freeloading off him for the rest of your life it's the biggest decision because any financial decision you make together it is a partnership at the end of the day so if you're choosing to buy a house together who are you going to get a mortgage with are you even going to get a mortgage are you going to be renting are you going to be making do you have an investment account is it joint do you have a joint account do you have separate accounts these are all things you need to think about so i'm not i'm not saying it's the biggest financial decision you need to make because i.e. you need to marry an extremely rich and wealthy man. That lifestyle isn't necessarily Mm. for everybody because it comes with a lot in itself. 
what but, sort of question sorry yeah, to interrupt but what like just for the women out there in talking stages with men who are thinking about getting married what sort of questions they need to be asking about their financial situation take notes girls okay well <laughs> i would more specifically when it comes to the finances i would start with what does your average monthly spend look like where are you spending your money because the other thing is where somebody, anybody chooses to spend their money does say quite a lot about them, mm-hmm. right? So if it's just a case where most of his money is going to TFL, it is what it is because TFL is hella expensive these days. But if it's a case where he's just sort of like buying, I don't know, PlayStation games every <laughs> other week. Or trainers. Or trainers. Mm, we're going to have to have this discussion because mm-hmm. you need to decide decide what financial responsibility looks like to you both of you so i would say looking at the way he spends looking at what he's spending on if he's spending on sadaqa for example and purifying his money Mm -hmm. that's a great tendency or like sort of foundation of understanding of not just responsibility but an islamic foundation to finance on what that looks like the tenets of islamic finance are you want the wealth gap to narrow it's about creating and sort of stabilizing a society in said way and sadhga is a way of doing that and sadhga is a really powerful tool because whoever gives sadhga is never without money so it increases your increases increases your wealth and it's like you will never ever feel the burden of feeling like Where's my money coming from? What is happening? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Money yeah. always comes when yeah. you get when and you it's give also, that's how I that's what yeah. I've noticed. And it's like manifestation. Like when you think about in a halal, gentrified halal way, what <laughs> yeah. I mean by like is We're talking always, about dua, guys. Yeah, don't halal, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> gentrified <laughs> gentrified dua. But like when you think about money in a positive light, honestly it will come to you. Like I I remember and I talk about this one all the time. There was a time when we were at uni and I think I used to get like 300 pounds for my bursary and I lived a good life a good life <laughs> I had money all the time I was, I was going rich shopping at uni. I was and I didn't even get a birth I didn't even get uni tuitions or like any of that that 300 sufficed me and it's so crazy because sometimes like you get in places in life where you feel like your money just feels like it's constraining you and yeah. like you feel trapped by it and another thing I wanted to talk about was debt oh like oh. credit cards people getting in debt but what was I gonna say you know when you said money feeling like it's constricting you there's also when you have money insecurity I feel like you have a lot of money insecurity yeah. when when you're not giving money away yeah I don't know I feel like it's, it's that age-old mo money mo problems at yeah. the end of the day like don't chase it don't, yeah I think and I think ultimately, once again, the vast majority of society are victims of the system we live in <laughs> because the economic system and such is built such that when you know you go to school, you learn, you go and get your degree, you go into whatever grad scheme or whatever job it is, you make that said money to then go off and do X, Y, Z with it. And it's it goes into so many different facets of your life such that you're not really being conscious of what's coming in and what's going out. Yeah. And and but why don't they teach that in schools? There's so many things that would be useful that they could teach in schools, but it, it just is what it is. I think things are changing though. I think 
the the younger generations now do definitely have more access and understanding to finance and the democratization of finance has occurred largely because of financial technology mm. because of uh, charities out there that are helping mm. um to help kids understand a little bit more about beyond sort of budgeting and such but also making it more age appropriate so i went into or rather yeah i went into a school an all-girls school in inner city london it was like a year nine class yeah year nine class and we were talking about moving out and wh- how to finance your life and what does that look like that. Et cetera. was that like a PSAT lesson it was it was like a PSAT <laughs> lesson literally it was we like talked a about sex that's yeah. all we ever talked about in we, our class I think that's so m- sad that's more than probably most state schools to be fair I don't. No. I don't even remember my PSAT lessons. So it was like drugs. It was drugs. drugs. Yeah. yeah. Don't do drugs. <laughs> Frank, <laughs> call Frank. <laughs> yeah. Literally, don't do drugs, kids. It was li- literally like that scene out of Mean Girls. Literally, <laughs> when the gym teacher comes in. That, that. Yeah. Literally. But yeah, talking to the girls, it was so interesting because one, and this is what I mean. Like, uh, you know, there was a whole subset of like young girls I was talking to. It was like who were basically saying things like, for a start, it was a bit jarring to be called miss, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll park that. Miss, I just, I don't understand why I need to think about this because my husband's going to do this, 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 and this. And trying oh. to sit and talk to 14 year old girls and you know their hopes and ambitions and dreams it is to some extent quite crushing to know that like from the jump, they already feel like, I don't need to know it about any of this. Mm. And you're going to put yourself in such a position that ultimately ultimately you'll be disadvantaged. And yeah. it's not to, once again, I think, I really doubt that acts are listening to this podcast, but if you are, hey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not to say that you should remove the role of a man or Muslim man and his duties and his obligations, etc. But ultimately, education is granted to everyone. And there's a reason why, you know, Prophet Muhammad sallam, was the first word that was uttered was ikra, the yeah. ability to read. Right. We should all be sort of pursuing excellence and having that sort mm. of idea of tarbiyah as well with regards to just having the the akhlaq and the the ihsan to just go forward with something and mm. really educate ourselves. Like mm. having also once again in this discourse, because I know this discourse is so triggering for a lot of people in so many different ways, but how you speak to both men and women about finance largely differs because of that access in the first Mm -hmm. place. So democratizing that is really important. But yeah, back to the girls, when I did speak to them about it and we had the whole situation (laughs) where I think they realized A, how expensive life is. So that was a reality check, which was really, (laughs) which was really good, which was really good. And then they just got them thinking. But I remember there was this one girl who's she had recently come from Afghanistan mm-hmm. and she had like really big dreams about what she wanted to do. And it was it was really inspiring. Yeah. Like she was just like, you know, miss, I want to go to uni and I want to study economics and I want to be an entrepreneur oh, and I want to I want to do this. And this is and, you know, I want to go back to Afghanistan one day and I want to da 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 And like she it was really inspiring and i think that that's sort of like the gap is also when you've gone through so much hardship in life and seen so many things the idea of adversity looks really different yeah. and the idea of climbing over those obstacles also is very different yeah so yeah i mean like i said it's I love yeah yeah i love it. it was very inspiring i have to say the kids gave me much more than i gave them for Aww, sure that's yeah. nice yeah so nice but i'm glad that that they are like 
bringing you into schools and like having these workshops with with young women young girls young girls listen it was exactly like i was back in high school it was literally <laughs> we didn't have that luxury in high school yeah bar the lesson they were just as crazy as <laughs> as like i would have been back in the day or the girl they remind me so much of girls i would have been in school with no so way. i i feel oh my like God, miss. yeah literally and he's like I, I remember there was this one girl who was showing me pictures of this guy some famous guy i feel like he was on empire from like that show from back in the day <coughs> anyways i say that she's like yeah he's my man and i was like <laughs> I'm gonna go with this, but we're gonna get back to yeah, the case let's studies. Just, yeah, let's just <laughs> let's bring it back. Let's go back to yeah, cost yeah. of living. Yeah, quite literally, quite literally. Okay, can we talk about before yeah. we forget? Okay, Tell us I'm, I'm, I know a lot of the girlies on here. A bit. I've got certain debts right now that I need to pay off. Do you know what I mean? Well, they're not actual debts. No, because it comes in like waves of three. Yeah. So you pay the first one off once you purchase and then Babe, the second one. I don't want to break it Oh my you. God, Anissa, what am I doing? <laughs> what, what am I doing? Because I've got about 19 quid left to pay off. Okay, alhamdulillah. It's 19 quid. After this ends, please. Oh, don't do it again. Just, just, just delete the app. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So there's this, should I start? Just yeah. start, just, start. Just, <laughs> just, just break us. The massive misconception is for one day, it's not a debt. It's definitely a debt. And I'll explain why. Even though you're splitting that payment in three. It goes on your credit score as It well. goes on your credit score. <gasps> they're not regulated by the FCA. <gasps> That's a big, big, big oh one. God. And I say that as somebody who mentioned crypto earlier because crypto also to some degree isn't, legislated for or is not on is not sort of reprimanded by the fca in the same way but what they work in very different ways but itself right when you decide to split let's say you did an asos um buy you spent 300 pounds it's 100 pound a month right it it's a case of okay you can pay that 100 pound off and it's all well and good but before paying that off it's still a debt so if you couldn't pay that off right like God forbid, but if you couldn't pay it off, they legally have the right to basically, essentially act like bailiffs and take you to court if you could not. Oh my God. Now, this is my major bugbear. I mean, that's me putting it politely. <laughs> Taken to a court for an ASOS code. That's it. It'll be wild. The cheese. It's wild. It's wild. So living. I love but it. they have so much time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the way they work as financial products as well, this is just an essentially another revenue stream for them. Not necessarily their biggest way of making revenue, but it certainly is a revenue stream. The main point to have though, is that I mentioned earlier that Islamically speaking, the idea of narrowing the wealth gap is essentially the sort of bread and butter on which we stand. And it's the idea of making sure you advocate for those that are less wealthy. Mm. That's why we give zakat. Mm. That's why we think about sadhka. That is why, you know, doing good looks very different in so many different ways, it, whether it's giving money, giving time, etc. Yeah. And the whole point is to narrow that gap. Products like BNPL products do not allow for that because essentially what it does is it feeds and festers on that on-demand culture of, I need to have it tomorrow. If I don't have it tomorrow, then how am I gonna live? What's going yeah. on? And by feeding off of that, you're gonna be continuously in a cycle of, I need this, I need this, I want this. And it's it's almost like being on being on a roller coaster that you can never get off. You're yeah. on a cycle, essentially. You know where that trap comes from as well? TikTok shop yeah. is a trap. The kids told me about that. 
It is I've, an actual trap. Yeah. Elisa, shall I make you laugh? Just before I came into the studio today, I was going to get a 120 pound pair of boots on <laughs> And now I'm rethinking it. Okay, so let, I haven't finished. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so, so that that is the essence of why it's bad, etc. But when we think about it and come down to the stats of it, two in five people in the UK use to pay for everyday goods, their groceries. Oh no, that can't be good. They use for food. No, no, scary. Lord. Because the way I use is very different. It's just on items of clothing. Yeah, and I think that disconnect, and like I said, you're not alone. There are so many people who feel like is just a, a way for them to essentially pay off a little bit and free up some money that they can spend elsewhere, etc. Mm-hmm. And it's marketed really well. Yeah. All BNPL products yeah. are marketed exceptionally well. But in the end, what it's really about is the idea that by delaying your payment as well, it acts as a debt. That debt needs to be paid off. And it, it's just another way in which they can continue those revenue streams, continue those partnerships with those particular companies all the while, whilst you have that level of disassociation of what you're doing, Mm. it's helping promote those products and their use. So even though it might not necessarily affect you, you can just carry on paying your debt, et cetera. There will be people who cannot, but because of the success of that product, it will still thrive. It will Mm. still do really well. So it's like the pay now, buy now, pay later, basically, which is... Do you remember back in the day, there was Wonga? Yeah. And and those oh, like yeah. oh my god that place that you had to go to get money was that wrong No, they were just like payday loans. Yeah, so that like really I just scared missed the last me. Bit of what you said. So basically, there are people out there who are able to pay those payments on time, but then there are there's some that aren't able to. Does basically make their money from people who aren't pay, able to pay the debt? I cannot confirm nor <laughs> deny that. Because legally, sad. That's actually but sad. I would say you got to think about how and which ways these certain uh, products are used and how they generate income. By and large, for sure, if you're on a B2B basis, yeah. a business-to-business basis, and you're partnering with organizations that, and they're allowing for your product to be embedded onto their systems, et cetera, and people are choosing to use them, there will be some sort of you know, financial goings-on between those like said businesses. Yeah. I.e., what I'm saying is I'm, those partnerships will be financially advantageous to both parties Mm -hmm. or more but when we're looking at it from a business to consumer relationship i.e if i decide to use a buy now pay later product and i can't actually pay this off on that said date Mm -hmm. it's going to cause many issues Mm -hmm. it's basically in some way they pray they don't pray but in some way no they do the people (laughs) (laughs) in some way i'm not even gonna they prey on people who can't afford better things. I'll stand ten toes down on this. I'll die on this hill. But they essentially prey on people who can't afford certain luxuries oh. to use their app. And then if they can't pay it back, the person's basically stuck in debt and it's a cycle. You don't even need to necessarily be the most vulnerable as well. They're Gen Z and their sort of lust for life when it comes to luxury goods or any kinds of goods for that matter yeah once again they they really are born into a consumerism and an on-demand culture and Mm -hmm. once again it's it's a sort of like negative feedback loop where the more i do the more i'm stuck in this the more more i do the more i'm stuck in this yeah so it's a case it was uh, there was a statistic very recently out which was saying something like 76% of Gen Z or those that were surveyed 
find themselves in debt to BNPL product, products because 70 percent 76 that's a so big, three that and four so, so much of Gen Z Gen Z and it's once again it's not even necessarily their fault they just marketed it exceptionally well it's not perceived as a debt yeah there's a massive disassociation of what debt looks like and it's also reinforced by an on-demand culture whereby everyone has this I, money to have it if i want yeah exactly if i can get my amazon prime tomorrow why wouldn't i they never use like the language of debt to, to market no. Ghana as well so that's why you don't necessarily think it's a debt you just think oh this is making my life easier yeah i mean it's very not not similar i'm gonna go off on a tangent now but with credit scores as well when you do your credit scores and it tells you it's good it's very good da 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 that language is used to sort of help you understand, sort of make you feel a little bit better about things. So it could say something like, oh, you needs a little bit of improvement, etc." Back offices looks like red alert, red alert, red alert. <laughs> oh, wait, Do you know what I mean? Oh, it means red God. alert. Like, no, this is absolute. Shite, <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, oh, you know, so we're, all right. we're in the, we're in the <laughs> amber. Lang- language is really, really important, and that's why sort of my background in comms and having studied these, pro- not studied these yeah. products, but I have to learn what they are and what they've done, how they they're used, etc. And working with said clients, I've sort of used that knowledge and that level of communications to essentially transfer that to help Muslim women understand more about finance. Ultimately speaking, that's crazy. I'm just no, thinking about my credit score right now oh. and also it was think, actually good last month the, thing, the yeah. thing is right another thing that credit card companies do is when they see like a slight when there's like a slight improvement in your credit score they'll offer you like a higher limit on your credit card oh yeah and me i, I get very tempted by those things and sometimes it's as simple as a text message just y or n like, do, do you want the extra money? that nudge intervention is so smart behavioral it's economics it's so behavioral scary. economics is embedded so well <laughs> in va- the vast majority of fintech like, i think there's psychology involved in it yeah exactly behavioral economics is, is the merger of economics and psychology, psychology so it will it will essentially give you prompts that will help feed your brain in understanding things in a really simple way but it will navigate you to to the end the result desired, of whatever, what to the desired goal, precisely. Yeah. But I would say, you know, when it comes to credit limits and things like that, once again, different sheikhs, different schools of thought. If, and this is why actually, I remember having a client having this discussion about credit cards versus BNPL. The What's BNPL? Buy now, pay later. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to be more umbrella terms so mm. I don't start cussing no. out particular people, people BNPLs. Local. So the, yeah, like I said, the, so the main difference between BNPL and uh, buy now, pay later and credit cards is that when we look at credit cards as a tool for navigating finance, they're quite helpful for a lot of people in the sense that garnering really good credit, not missing payments, but you're being able to essentially use a credit card if you can use it successfully as if it's a debit card and pay it off well, etc. sort of helps you open up a whole wealth stream in the sense that I'm not even talking about having a higher limit. I'm talking about the kinds of financial products that are offered to you as well. So the different types of investment products, but then also building credit allows you to go on to buy a house and do other larger things, essentially. Mm. A buy now, pay later product isn't going to do that for you. There's no other benefit. It's feeding your immediate, it's immediate gratification. Yeah. Whereas the credit card is a bit more meritocratic. You're getting getting some benefits. Yeah, but once again, there's like different schools of thought on this as well because you will find shares that are like, stay away from it. It's, It's 
essentially awful and works in a similar fashion. And there'll be some that feel like, well, you can use this product so long as you're using it in this specific way mm. and you're able, you know, you're very financially responsible in order to help you said deliver goals. But once again, each to their own really depends on which school, school of, of thought you follow. Right, so today's Monday Madness. Financial advice you would have told yourself when you were younger. Don't blow the student loans. <laughs> don't do it, girl. That's literally what I'm hearing in my head. It's just going, don't do it. Oh my God, I did it. That's don't. literally it. Literally. Literally <laughs> the anthem of any student. When you were talking about credit cards, that's the meme that was in my head. Like, <laughs> don't do it, girl, don't do it. <laughs> Don't let anyone use your name on credit. Set up. You know, all them girls that got books by their boyfriends to get them cars. Let's not do that, girls. Oh, my God. Ooh. Yeah, there's If girls. this is you, please get in touch. Oh, <laughs> my God, yeah. So, like, there's, you'd find, like, some women might, like, buy cars on finance for their or boyfriends. Lease them. Or lease them. This has nothing to do with anything. However, there is also... <laughs> this is from my yesteryear working policy... But there are many Muslim women in prison. Mm -hmm. And the reason they're in, well, not many, but there's a certain mm -hmm. subset of women that are in prison. And as a result, uh, like they've ended up in prison because of sort of taking it upon themselves to just se being sent down on behalf of their man. Oh, no. For various different things. Yeah. What? And then. On behalf of, of, so he did it. So he did it. And he's like. Oh, she took the rap. I would she never. Wallahi. I love my life too much. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. Oh no, I feel sorry for them. Six maybe. months, yeah. would you do it? No. No, absolutely not. Three months. No! Why are you looking at me like that? I'm asking both of you. I mean. Would you take the rap for him with the room? Would I take the rap He's the best my... husband in the world. Love he, of your he, life. If he was, if he, love of my life, best husband. How are we in Financial this situation? In the, how are we in this situation in the first place <laughs> that I'm, I'm now having to take the rap? Bro, what? <laughs> What do you mean? Because your car was under your name. Yeah, your car's under your name. It's a good thing I'm a passenger princess, honestly. Oh, all right, next yeah. one. Someone said lifetime ISA. Was that it? Just lifetime ISA. So, so question, okay. is that halal? So is there financial literacy advice you would have told yourself when you were younger, someone just said a lifetime ISA? Lifetime yeah. ISA's not bad. It's basically free money. Is that halal degree. though? Yeah, because essentially it would Islamically be seen as a gift. Oh, no. a gift because you're essentially you're putting your money into this lifetime ISA, the and it, there's an upper quartile limit to that and how much you can invest. So, in twofold, you're basically allowed to take that money out if you're buying your first property. Mm -hmm. Right, and there's also stipulations on that. So how much you choose to invest in that and whether you're buying in London or not out of London, you usually have a bigger bracket if you're buying in London because houses are a lot yeah. more expensive. Or if you're not doing that, you can take it out upon retirement or more specifically when you reach pension age nice. as well. So it is roughly about four grand in total that the government will give you, depending on if you like basically succeed to investing at however much but you're not making there's no interest associated with that and there are definitely halal options That's available option. there you go what about um, premium bonds nope absolutely haram i bonds um uh, how long you got it, in essence if you wanted to invest in a bond islamically speaking you would invest in sort of like the islamic equivalent which is called a sukuk and that's an Islamic bond. And that's because bonds in themselves, because of the way that they, they it's used as a financial instrument, there is debt incurred in that. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, it's 
basically, once again, it's not part of like the system in which we follow, Islamically speaking. But you can invest in bonds and they're not as in Islamic bonds. So let me be very specific with that. And they're actually a really great tool if you're somebody who's quite financially risk averse. So it's a nice like sort of jump into it if you want. Oh. And they are available on certain stock markets that are in Muslim countries nice. like the UAE no. or and Saudi. Oh. <laughs> Work when you were young and save money. Do things that make you happy. Travel more. Work, save money, travel. Be, but if you're traveling, you're spending money. Yeah. I would. I would actually say once again, build for the life you want and and what that looks like. So when I was younger, I'm like, I make myself sound really old. I wasn't that. I wasn't that old. But when I was younger, I traveled quite a bit. So I used to have this sort of idea that I would travel to one country in europe and one country out of europe every year oh, I like that. and i would just like travel around and i learned so much it was probably one of the fastest like learning development education that i ever had but once again that was building for the life that i wanted because yeah. i i was happy to invest in traveling mm. versus like some of my friends were very happy to invest in various other different things like whether that be a car whether that be you know going out and having different experiences in real time, like yeah. going to really nice restaurants, re having really nice clothes, really nice bags, etc. So it's just, one. yeah, exactly. It's a different, different lifestyle for all. Different strokes for different folks. Mm. Don't get into credit card debt. In a, yeah, in a word, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it, girl. Stop thinking about what your money can buy. Start thinking about what your money can earn. Uh, what your money can earn i mean is yeah it's investments yeah. yeah like passive income streams for example at the top of our chat we were talking about budgeting and i think that's a really useful tool but i think if we're being realistic as well in a current sort of cost of living crisis there's only so much we can also budget as well mm -hmm. like budgeting to death isn't going to necessarily solve the issue mm -hmm. but it's a really good start if you're somebody who's very financially unconscious i would say so if you don't know where your money is going or what you're doing and you're just continuously tapping your card at for every latte for every mm -hmm. sort of like you know place going for sushi whatever it may be you need you need to have like a very honest conversation with yourself about finances <laughs> that's why i do also promote the idea of having like a financial date once a month where it's you know you on your on your own or whether it's you and your husband or partner whoever it may be mm -hmm being very financially honest is very very crucial very honest i would also say like i said really take that idea of talking about finances before you get married very seriously if someone said to you they were in 30k debt but they wanted to marry you how would you look into that that's yeah. a good one <laughs> that's a good one I like that how did you get into debt are you in student debt if it's student debt credit card debt hun 30k <laughs> What were you doing? Like, was that, what what, what kind of? It's just an example. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't think it's in my headspace. <laughs> <laughs> but that's things no. that they need to think about. Yeah, a hundred and ten percent. Like, like I said, you need to think about the life you want and build towards that yeah. because there will be many an obstacle in in your pathway when you when you get married and the decisions you make and what you choose to do. So yeah, don't take those conversations lightly. Come and be on job when it comes mm. to, you know, thinking about these things. We've got Don't Walk Into Topshop. Is that still here? I swear ASOS bought them ASOS out. ASOS bought them out. Is it a need? No, save your money. And then we go, you don't need it. Don't buy it. Save your money and buy a house. Okay, okay. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. 
not every day save and buy your ha- for a house, okay? And I say this because sometimes you- I just want a nice bag. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I'll be exactly. a designer bag. <laughs> I just want myself the non boycotted brands. <laughs> <laughs> just want a nice bag. I say that because even Islamically speaking, having nice things or having a nice life isn't sort of something where you're going to be slapped on the wrist for it having a nice lifestyle is also really important in terms of just being able to feel good about yourself and live the life you want and whatever that looks like of course if your only mo in life is i want to own a house then there once again are certain goals that are geared towards that but there are points where you need to like stop and smell the flowers as well so enjoy your money that's a big thing i always Mm. tell women enjoy your money it's it's interestingly it's a case of at least as far as i'm concerned with clients where there's loads of women who do up enjoyment love that love their lives etc but then are either in debt don't know a lot about finance need need to improve that in some way or there are women who have money and don't know what to do with it and aren't enjoying it mm. either way no one's really enjoying their it's life it's like two extremes though do you know yeah, what I mean you've got to be the lady ground. in the middle moderation. so this is the hikmah right islamically speaking whereby the middle ground the proportionate ground is where we're supposed to be for example our body has a right over us there are people in our life that have a right over us they are dif- different things and so it's the idea of balance has always been very much a part of our deen so Mm -hmm. those are certain things i think about and finance is very much a part of that so it's the idea of you know purifying your money is a really important tool so giving zakat sadqah etc is a really good tool in order to break that relationship whereby you know money is your world it's your illa it's your essentially like the only thing you're working towards is money the only thing you need is money and in the end nine times out of ten when you talk to like really big ceos etc they get to that point and they're like, now what? I did mm. all of this for what? What was mm. the benefit in doing that? So it's really important to enjoy life as much as you're gearing towards those goals. Damn. I think it's true though, because I feel like a lot of us, when we're trapped in the rat race of the nine to five, let's say I've got children, so my responsibilities increase. I'm paying for like swimming and football and mm. crown class. You're already feeling like, oh my God, where is this going to come from if you're still on the same salary as when you were like 21? So I also think thinking about like ways to grow in yourself, growing your money, whether that's through Sakaa, but also growing your money through like knowledge and doing different things. I think those are a lot of things that women need to think about. And I feel like in my 20s, I was all about enjoyment of my life. I just got married. I was like, yeah, it's going to be my husband. <laughs> and I'm going to go on my holidays. And then I had yeah, kids. Yeah, you're not alone though. Yeah, like, and yeah. I had kids and I was like, uh, no, like I've got to wake up. Like you've got to provide for them as well. And like, so I think there's so many different things that come to it, but I do agree balance. You can't just be like stingy and strict with your own money. Cause then what are you going to do? You're not going to be happy. Yeah, I don't think anybody's happy. I actually, yeah. one of my best friends, before she got married one of the top three things her mom said was make sure you don't marry a stingy man that will be Mm. that'll be like literally the worst thing you do in life so yeah yeah but by stingy it doesn't once again does not necessarily mean he needs to be the sheikh of xyz it just needs it just means is he able to give you but that, it's nice to have need. someone that has an open hand. Yeah, <laughs> but then we have to be honest. You know what it is? It's <laughs> dangerous as 
is going to be subjective <laughs> when you think about it because he's going to be thinking I'm not stingy because I'm still giving you everything that you need. Maybe I'm not giving you things that he deems as luxuries. Do you know what I mean? It is definitely subjective, but I think stingy in the sense that... But if he's if, like if completely if he controlling... Could, it's more of a case of if he could, but he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, Do you know fine. what I mean? Honey, <laughs> yeah, open the handbags. Open, hand open that purse. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's how you make people happy. You yeah. want to live. You don't. I personally would not like to feel in a very awkward conversation with my husband. I don't want to feel I uncomfortable talking about Open that crypto money. wallet, bro. <laughs> like, Listen. You don't want to be. You don't want to be uncomfortable asking for like the bare minimum. Do you like, know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, but I think what comes into it is what you said: having financial dates and. Yeah. yeah, have a nice little matcha. <laughs> Chat. Get the spreadsheet Get out. Get the spreadsheet <laughs> out, <laughs> honestly. Out. And, and literally build towards the life you want, ultimately. Oh, Someone said to buy plots of land. Oh, sorry, Holly, were you going to say something? Oh, go, go. Plots of land. Yeah, to buy plots of land with my then income. My then income. So damn, she doesn't even have income. Oh, okay. She's thinking ahead. So in our I, country, yeah. a lot of people buy plots of land that appreciate through time so yeah, they make yeah. more money um, and then they go pe on to sell people, it. people do the same in, in South Asia. So my background, I'm South Asian, right? I'm Kashmiri. So mm. people people do that there as well. But I think uh, that that's an interesting one if you have the intention, I guess, of living, of living there, yeah. of, of maybe doing it up, selling it on, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, you know, to each, each their own. Tomorrow? Yeah. Do we have time for a scenario? I came here for the scenario. Wait, I got a really <laughs> cute one. Wait, I got a cute one that I got someone text me on TikTok today. So basically she goes, hey girls, I love you guys. I've been following you guys for a while and I must say I'm proud. Oh, thank you, we love you thank too. Thank you girls. She goes, I've got a bit of a dilemma. So there's this guy that I've been speaking to for a little over 11 months. We get on really well and he's like my best friend. Both of our intentions was to get married she goes, your girl's been trying. <laughs> like the connections there. <laughs> she goes, however. However. <laughs> there was something I didn't know about until I found out recently. I thought he was working for the whole time. However, he's actually a full-time carer for his mum. Oh, bless him. She goes, that's where the genuine connection came, came from because we could relate on so many things with regards to family and life in general. She goes, he says he wants to get married and originally told me by January 2024 we'll be married, but he's now said he's broke okay. and has asked me to wait longer, but hasn't given me a time frame. She goes, so what did I do? I told him I'd wait and then I blocked him. <laughs> I've had my time wasted before. That might be smart. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she goes, I've had my time wasted before and I don't want to have to wait for someone. Have I done the right thing? Calato is smart. This is real, isn't it? Like, yeah, this is serious. Real scenario. Scenario. Oh, we have to be serious. Okay, 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 okay. okay, okay. okay. Right. Serious. Come on. Okay. So she's interested, so she, they've known each other, she, these are the facts, she, uh, 11 months. I, the, the little over 11 months made me laugh, because babes, it could have been a year now. I know. <laughs> just a little over. Okay, <laughs> I like was Roughly a year. Yeah, roughly a year. They've been speaking. She thought he's been working the whole time. He's actually a care of his mum. That's very sweet. It's a, like a very, very noble thing for sure. Yeah. Once again, I think it goes back down to building the life you want. Do you see a future with this person? Mm -hmm. And 
what does that look like for you if he is not working currently that doesn't necessarily mean he's never going to be working yeah. mm-hmm. does he have drive does he have ambition what's his skill set like mm. you know and think i guess thinking about it from that sort of perspective but the i blocking him not gonna lie that might be smart in the sense that if you're like so she she's, said she's, she's thinking away. very she's thinking very pragmatically she's very clinical right. i don't think yeah. i don't i think she's quite she sounds like a smart cookie because and i feel like she's probably been through this before yeah she's, she's yeah, she's, she's yeah. but i think if she's if it's a case whereby once again you need to decide if this is your person ultimately speaking like i said this is going to be one of if not the most important decisions you ever make in life because it's a precursor to the life you want, ultimately yeah. speaking. If you're gonna be, and we have to say, a lot of marriages fail because of financial difficulties. Top or, three reasons. I don't know. 42% of marriages in the UK end in doors. Because of financial reasons. No, I just, just probably because. 42% no, is joking, so I'm high. <laughs> I, it's actually apparently, and I don't have the data to back this, I wouldn't put this on here, but apparently it's actually higher in uh, in in yeah. yeah. Oh no! Recently, I heard a TikTok uh, that said seventy six percent. That's the, what I heard. Yeah, I saw <laughs> the same TikTok. I think we referenced it in our previous episode. Yeah, so but I mean that might crazy. be in the. But that, I that, think was, that, was, in the US. that was in the US. But I can understand that because a lot of people get divorced very quickly. I think people get married very early, yeah. and who you are at like twenty two isn't it's necessarily the same person you're going to be at thirty. No, exactly. So those are sort of things that one would need to think about, etc. It's not not to say that it can't happen; it certainly does happen. But yeah. once again, it you know it depends. May the odds ever be in your favor. Inshallah. Yeah. I, I mean, think the one thing that I've gathered from this conversation is build the life that you want. And I feel like, yeah, that's like financially, that up. do you know what I mean? Financially, but also with the love of your life and whoever you're going to choose, you need to really think about what life do I want? How does it look like? And can we build this together? Yeah. Is, is he flexible enough to basically, is he someone that you can have those conversations with? Well, that is that's a red to... flag then if you can't have those mm. conversations. Well, yeah, because there's a lot of people that you that, that feel like they can't because they just have these uh, this understanding that, okay, the man's the provider, the maintainer, therefore that's his department. And therefore I don't, this is not, I don't need to look into this. Mm. Once again, it, that may be the case where if he's a provider, that's not my role. And if you have very traditional roles in that sense, fair play. But there will be a point where you're going to have to manage the finances of the household. Absolutely. So what if does he, that look something like? Something happens to him. Yeah, exactly. or something happens to him. So he precisely. needs to be flexible enough yeah. to be able to be someone that you can build a life. Yeah, with. yeah. Because you're two separate people. At the the, end there of the are day. certain. Yeah, precisely. There's certain conversations that you just have to have, and it's either going to be a case of you have them before you're married, or you get married and then you're going to have them and that's when it becomes and a bit more difficult. Precisely, then you've got to figure it out. So basically the sooner the better. I would also say work backwards. And what I mean by that is when I say build the life you want, what is your end goal just in life, period? And then think about what are the steps that take you towards that said life mm-hmm. and what that looks like. Really good point. And I feel like, and I'm, I'm always, using me as an example guys I've now reached the ripe old age of 30 and I'm thinking about my 20s I would never think like that like that would never come into my mind like what life do I want I was literally just walking I don't know is it just me like how did you feel I think most people are like that we're just going coasting you're just coasting aren't you I mean your 20s I guess are for figuring things out ultimately speaking and 
basically building the sort of precursor of the like next chapter of your life. But in essence, I think people really take milestones really, really seriously. So like by 30, I should have X, Y, Z and my life should look like this. Exactly. And it becomes a really, once again, a really negative spiral for a lot of people who yeah. may not necessarily have achieved all of those things at that said point. It's quite rigid. Yeah, precisely. But I would say once again, there are certain things that you have within your control that you can actually use to help you build the life you want as well like for example i know and this colloquially speaking in in my personal life i've got loads of friends that aren't married for example and really want to get married but they just haven't met the right person yet and that's just not happened for them or for whatever reason etc that in that particular line there's only so much you can do you make the art and and sort of yeah. like you know you do your you tie your camp etc with something like finances, that is very much well within your control to be able to educate yourself and build, help to build that life you want. And I would also say, the more educated you become about certain specific topics like finance, it helps to inform you to make better holistic decisions as yeah. well. Because ultimately speaking, finance just infiltrates your whole life in every which way really forward. It is. It's the elephant in the room yeah. between any talking stage, I find, is the finance conversation. Just quickly, though, what are we going to advise our lovely girl? How are we going to end it off for her? So she's blocked him, essentially, <laughs> and I'm, I think she, I'm glad she's blocked him. I love that for sis. Yeah, like, I, I'm is glad she, she has, she's used her judgment. She's I just don't think anyone should wait for anyone. I, no. I, yeah, if somebody hasn't given you that timeline that you need or you want, I would say, and I would also genuinely say that. And I never, I didn't think about this, or no, I didn't think about this. I didn't actually think it was as true as it is until I got married. If he wanted to, he would. 100%. There would always be a way. 100%. And also, she's ready, he's not, so... You're in different, like... And and you clearly have the ability to walk away as well, which is a great thing. Exactly. You, you've, to use that level of, like, clinical, pragmatic yeah. like uh, she, action. Like, she's realised she's in a level where she's ready to get married, he's not. So, you know, you can't wait for mm. someone to be ready. Or it's a case where, you know, you part, and, and you if it's meant to be, it might be. Yeah, it might if it's be meant to be. It may be, and they it may be, be writing the notebook. in. <laughs> it could be, it could be the could case be. where, you but know... But I just generally don't think... I just really don't think you don't you want him stringing you yeah, along like, precisely. There's no point. And and, like, and once again, how old is she? She's quite young. She said she was like 20, 23, 22, 23. She didn't say. She didn't. Am I thinking about she another one? See, I don't think no, she, she doesn't. I don't know. I don't I, think she seems that young. No, yeah, I get maybe. Actually, yeah, maybe you're right. If she's she sounds like she's on job. Yeah, she goes, um, the girl's been trying. Yeah. So to me, that says she wants to get married. She's yeah, I think she's I think seasoned. He, yeah, <laughs> in in this in this dating. It's very pool. very Bridgerton esque. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What's it? She's in bloom. She's. Like, <laughs> oh my god! When she was in bloom, it was so cringe. <laughs> she's in. Bloom. I loved it. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Say less. I think. Yeah. I mean, look. I. You know irrespective of how old she is i think if she wants to go down the road of i want to be married this man is not ready i think do both of yourselves a favor and just call it a day for now at least and if it's meant to be it will and if it's not then class yeah yeah keep it moving indeed okay I like that anisa just quickly 
What do you want to tell the girlies? Where can they find you on the socials? Tell us quickly a little snippet of your courses. So you can find me on Instagram and on Twitter. Twitter's a little bit more reckless, not gonna lie, <laughs> but it is what it is, <laughs> at Anissa Finance. You can find me on www.nisazaman.com. I know, I know. Official. I love Very that. much so. And I provide many a courses. So I've got three signature courses, Finesse Your Finance, which is a bootcamp 101, if you are literally a novice. Um, I'm gonna do that. I've got Invest in Yourself, which is a four week and an eight week crash course, or an intensive, depending on what you wanna learn about finance. But it really takes you through everything you need to know about Islamic finance, how to invest, what platforms to use. Uh, what graphs look like, how to interpret them, et cetera, et cetera, and how that can inform your judgment on making investments for yourself. Mm. And then my final course at this moment in time is called Love Costs. I love that. Which is about marriage and finance. And that has an element of not only about the sort of finance, but the psychology and also sort of the fiqh of marriage as well. So it's a culmination of everything to give you a holistic understanding. Oh, and I, I usually have like a therapist on and I have an imam on as well to provide that level so of knowledge. Can you come back on the podcast? Yeah, please? Anissa, you've got to come back. when you're back in London. I feel like this is probably one of the most important episodes we've ever done. Uh, I feel like all the stuff I wanted to talk about I didn't even get to. Oh my God. I wish it was a longer episode. Off the guys. record, babes. You know, we're approaching two hours. <laughs> oh my gosh, really? No, no, I'm no it's not like one hour, one hour and 45. Okay. Right, ladies. That's very 11 months or just yeah, over yeah, of yeah. you. <laughs> Do you like people to round up? Um, Are you a round upper? Am I a round upper in terms of what? Like, just, just, you know, generally, does that hurt you when someone says like, 98. Oh, um, you know what? As an economist in a previous <laughs> life, not I really like precision, but yeah, I mean, mm, it depends. I think it's a it's a scenario situation, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't mind a rounding up situation either. How about you guys? No, no, I you don't mind. really care. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this this isn't really so like my day to day I'm thinking. Money to someone, and they're like to me <gasps> oh, precisely. That. Okay, give me twelve always... pounds forty nine pence. I, I, I legit thought we were talking like, about time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so quickly on this. Yeah. So just a quick- 199. <laughs> right, so interestingly, I learned this actually at uni from one of my friends and really knowledgeable. She was a friend, she's from Saudi. And she was saying to me, when let's say I owed you a £4.89 and I gave you a fiver, that remainder money, right, would essentially be a debt. Yeah. God, I've been giving yeah. people debt. So giving, so pay giving my money back pay. now. <laughs> pay, pay my money back. My 12 pence. Yes. Even, but obviously it comes, ultimately it comes with intention and such yeah. and all the rest of it. Of but when I learned that, I was like, I'm going to have to I'm be that to friend. Now I'm going to have to be that weird friend that's, yeah, like giving 12, you, that's sending you 25 pounds, 97 pence. Yeah, that's weird. I, got, I don't think I can do it. Yeah. I'll just be like, I forgive the debt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Loophole, guys. There we are. Forgive the debt. Call it a day. Literally. Anyway, guys, <laughs> thank you so much, Anissa, for your time today no and from, for this really important episode. I definitely learned a lot and I will be checking out your courses and I hope the lovely ladies that are listening too go and will go and check her. you out. Guys, oh. go support Anissa. We need her. Especially that love course. Those of you getting married, yeah. you and your partner should be doing that. Just saying, just saying. Anyway, we're gonna round off the episode. Thank you guys so much. We love and appreciate you guys. Thank you for all the comments, all the YouTube comments, all the reviews on Apple Podcasts. And we're gonna try and figure out how to do a question box with Galado. 
Guys, the, the producer is in the room today. Bow, 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 bow. Hi, Galada. Yeah, on the podcast. <laughs> she used to have her own episode. She's too sick and too well connected. <laughs> but yeah, we just want to say we appreciate you, girl. Thank you so Thank much. You. And to you guys at home, we love you guys so much. And make sure you support the podcast always. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.